0: Welcome into the His and Hers podcast. I'm Zach Bennett alongside my sister Paige. Today, we review NFL Week 10 and all of the amazing action it brought us, including five game winning field goals as time expired, a record in a single Sunday in the NFL. Fun fact for you review the biggest surprises, the winners, playoff picture, and more here on this episode of the His and Hers podcast. Alrighty, righty, Paige, it was a great Sunday of football. We had a lot of really, really good games, um, some continuation of trends that we've seen. Josh Dobbs, C.J. Stroud, Justin Herbert playing well but losing, you know, kind of a typical charger like trends that have been proven over the last few weeks continuing to go in that direction. Uh, We also had some new things pop up and some return to normalcy, like the 49ers and their dominating win over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, I wanted to kind of outline the AFC playoff picture and then the NFC playoff picture. And I want you to tell me if you think it's going to stay the same or change and, you know, which one. So we'll start the AFC. So at the current moment, we have the Kansas City Chiefs at first, Baltimore Ravens. Second, Kansas City or the Jacksonville Jaguars in the third, and the Miami Dolphins in the fourth. Those are the first place in each of their divisions. Then the three wild card as follows Pittsburgh Steelers, somehow six and three, Cleveland Browns, and Houston Texans. In the hunt, if the playoffs are today, it's still crazy to me, but the Bills and the Bengals would be on the outside looking in at five and four, and the Colts with one of the ugliest wins you'll see today, uh, sitting on the outside looking in, but very much in the hunt so Paige the current layout of this what do you think is going to change or if you had to make any predictions uh in the AFC playoff picture
1: um I think that you're going to see I mean it was so interesting to see the uh Ravens lose today not what I had anticipated as well as not with the Bengals losing but I feel like this the nice thing is is that I feel like you can expect I think Kansas City is going to stay at the top of their division. I think obviously the Jaguars um, getting completely manhandled by the 49ers um, just showed a lot of their weaknesses. And so I think that the Chiefs are going to be able to stay in first place there. I think obviously the AFC North is the one that's most up for debate. Last week, every single one of those teams was in the playoff picture. And then with the Bengals losing today, they just slipped out of that. And so for me, I think you're going to see, I think the ones that are the most up for debate in terms of who is going to be leading in the end, I think the Ravens are still going to be able to do it. I don't know. They have a big game on Thursday night against the Bengals, obviously yeah. interdivisional. That's going to be a big tell of what's going to happen over the next few weeks, but I feel like AFC North and AFC West, I feel pretty good about Ravens and Chiefs staying in their first place. I think the AFC South and AFC East are still a little bit up in the air for me. Like I think that the, like the Bills are just right on the edge Um, of Miami. I think that they could edge out on them. I think the Bengals um, are going to make the playoffs, but I think it's going to be in a wild card situation. And so I think for the most part, you can kind of expect this. I think the Texans, like Texans are going to the playoffs. I feel very confident saying that CJ Stroud is just getting better and better as each week goes on. The The more reps he has, the more weeks he has to I'm um, really nailed down how to play in the NFL. It's only going to go up from here for the Texans. And so I feel pretty common in saying that the Texans are going to get one of those wild card spots.
0: Yeah. Not only do I think the Texans are going to get a wild card, I think they're going to win their division. To me, the biggest switch is going to happen with the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Houston Texans. Let me read. So they've already, they already have beaten the Jaguars in Jacksonville this year, 37, 17. Okay. They play in two weeks. And the rest of the Texans' schedule goes as follows. So they have the Cardinals at home. Now, Kyler Murray's backs of this game as proven is a little bit more difficult. However, they should win. They then play in the pivotal, pivotal matchup against the Jaguars at home. So they, get, they have three straight home games. They go Cardinals, Jaguars, Broncos. Then they go to New York to play the Jets. They go Titans, Browns, Titans, Colts. I look at it, and I see two tough games with the Jaguars and the Browns. Every other one of those games, they should be able to win. And so if it comes down to it, and I haven't really looked at what the Jaguars schedule is, but I'm just looking how they played. They've already matched up once, and and the Texans didn't just win. They won, and they won handedly. So my biggest prediction is that the, the Texans are going to finish with that third or fourth seed, win the division under first-year head coach uh, D'Amico Ryan's and first-year quarterback CJ Stroud, the other thing I would I would say is I, I just I I still don't have any belief in what the Steelers are doing. I think that they're obviously still going to finish above 500, but I, I if I had to bet, I would bet that the Bengals finish with the last and final playoff spot over the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think that's how it's going to come down at the end. I think the Bills miss, and I think the, the Browns hold serve and stay in there. So I think you'll have the Jaguars, uh, the um Bengals and the uh Texans in there. So yeah, I just I just don't see a world where the Steelers make it and the Bengals I mean, yeah, and the Bengals don't without yeah, been out-gained it's a good every, point. The, they've been outgained the J- every game, every single game. It's never happened before where they've had a winning record.
1: That's a good point. And also back to your point on the Jags, they have a little bit of a difficult stretch ahead of them. I mean, they play the Texans, they play the Bengals, they play the Browns, they play the Ravens, they play the Bucks, And so it's like, there are a lot of games in there, very winnable games for them too. Like they're playing the Titans and the Panthers, but I think that their schedule gets a little bit tougher here. And after what we saw with the 49ers today, it's either like they'll have a get right game or the, or maybe the 49ers were able to expose a lot of weaknesses. that other teams will be able to capitalize on as well.
0: Absolutely. We look at the NFC, and it's as followed. You have the Philadelphia Eagles holding firm in that first place with a bye. This week, the Detroit Lions, red-hot red hot Detroit Lions, 7-2, and two, big win over the Chargers day. San Francisco 49ers got right. New Orleans Saints holding on to that division, but no one seems to want to take the NFC South. Watch out for the Bucks, The Seattle Seahawks, Dallas Cowboys, and Minnesota Vikings in the next three spots. In the hunt, and you have the Bucks at four and five. <laughs> it's funny the difference when you go in the hunt for the NFC, like four, four and five Bucks, four and six Commanders, and four and six Falcons. <laughs> like yeah, it's a
1: different, it's a different league.
0: You know, again, I'm wearing my Viking gear. I've never hidden, obviously, how I'm biased to it. But this was like a perfect outside of the Lions winning. If you talk about uh, the division race, uh, this this couldn't have went any better for the for the Vikings. You know, the Bucks losing probably would have been a little helpful, obviously, but you're still two games up on them in terms of the record. But the Commanders losing and the Falcons losing, the other two teams that are are pushing you. Outside of that, I mean, I think with the win today and how the rest of the, the kind of the schedule fell, I think the Vikings playoff uh, hopes jumped up to like 72%. So pretty crazy going from own three to in week 11 with such high odds to go to the playoffs. Now, not to get too off track, Paige, looking at that format, anything change, whether it's someone jumping up to the first seed, uh, getting that by division? What do you think any changes happening in the NFC as it currently sits?
1: The one thing is that I cannot quit the Cowboys, and I think that there's a world where they're able to edge out on the Eagles and take first place in the NFC East. Um, obviously that's probably not going to end well for me because the Eagles, even when they haven't looked good this season, they're still pulling out every win possible, but I do think that that's the one where it's just, uh, Dallas obviously had a dominate dominant performance over the giants today. So I think that one being two games behind and they played them really, really close at Lincoln. So I'm excited to see them. Um, when Dallas is able to host, I think that that one is a little bit up in the air. I also think that not trying to take my bias out of it. I also think that you have to be watching the Minnesota Vikings. If you're the Detroit lions, Um, the Vikings have a little bit of a soft schedule coming off two big wins with their new quarterback and five straight. And so it's like, they're finding ways to win and they're turning their season around. Now they're sitting at six and four. And I think that there's a world where they'll, they're able to uh, overtake that obviously a big moment for the Lions today and being able to beat out, the chargers on a last minute field goal. But I think that there is a world where that happens as well. Um, And yeah, the rest of it, I don't know the other, like, it's like new Orleans saints. Yeah. They're good. They're bad. They beat bad teams, but they're not able to pull out wins against good or semi good teams. But I like, obviously I think that division to me is probably the most open in all of football because it's like neck and neck. So like, at like, Saints play Falcons next week. And I think that that's going to be uh, a two weeks.
0: They have, they have their bye next oh, week. Oh, yeah. They, they have
1: their yes. bye, and then yep. they play the Falcons. I think that's going to be a big determinant, obviously uh, for their division. But I think that the NFC South is the most wide open in the NFC.
0: Oh, in the entire league. Uh, it is, you know, that soft, soft division. There always seems to be one every year. And it's amazing how quickly it could turn. Cause I remember just a few years ago, everyone in the NFC East, like, was had a losing record like in week fifteen. Like no one wanted to win the division. So it's just funny how it can rotate. Now that there's always just seems to be a, a, a very soft division. And you know if you're the if you're the Lions or the Vikings, man, we wish our division shaped up like that because we're playing pretty good ball, but we're you know don't have a lead or not as comfortable with the lead. So I agree with you. I think that the one seed is still very obviously much up for play. I think um the NFL schedule makers knew what they're doing in terms of. The NFC North, the Lions and Vikings play two out of the last three weeks. They play Christmas Eve, uh, then they have a break, and then they play the last week of the year. And if everything falls right for the NFL and the schedule makers, that new would mean, hey, maybe everything falls where they're playing for the division title on the last Sunday. Like if you're the NFL, you, you keep the Lions winning, keep the Vikings winning. Uh, the Vikings beat them in that first matchup. Uh, and then it comes down to the last game of the year in Detroit Sunday Night Football for the NFC North and like the second seed or something because um, I, I do think the Eagles' schedule is still really tough and so if the only way I think that the Cowboys I, I think that my prediction out of this is whoever wins the NFC East I think is going to get the one seed so the Eagles have a tough little stretch coming up and and they've they've had a tough stretch and they've. Just to kind of figure out how to win these games. I wanted to pull up the rest of their schedule. I'm like three windows deep here. Let me let me find the Eagles real quick. Eagles, Chiefs. So they play the Chiefs next Monday night, and then they play the Bills, which that used to look a lot tougher than it now is. Then they play the Niners, and then that pivotal matchup that you brought up between the two of them on Week 14 uh, to play the Cowboys Sunday Night Football. Then they have to travel to Seattle. And then they finish up their last three weeks pretty easily. Giants, Cardinals, Giants. So um, if they could just kind of survive that, at least stay par with the boys. And obviously, if they beat them, then all that is, you know, for naught. But uh, very interesting. It's funny. AFC has all this drama. AFC has all kind of 10 through 1. I think 12 through 1 still have a chance. NFC, it's pretty much like I feel like the seven teams are there, except for the NFC South division winner. I think you're going to, you know, flop in or out, but I, I kind of think these are the seven minus whoever walks away with that NFC title, kind of a strange setup only 10 weeks in, but I do think these are the best seven teams in the
1: NFC. Retweet.
0: So outside of today, um, what was your biggest takeaway from week 10? What kind of, you know, we, we talked about the playoff pictures. It's starting to get round into shape, but what did you take away from today's games?
1: Um, I think my biggest takeaway, I kind of hit on this a little bit earlier, is just that the Texans are going to make the playoffs. C.J. Stroud is absolutely magical. Winning a game-winning drive against the Bengals as a rookie, it was just insane, such a fun game, so much fun to watch him. Um, And I just think that he's obviously in the talks. I think he's the clear winner of Offensive Rookie of the Year at this point, has put himself in the MVP conversation with 2,626 passing yards and 15 touchdowns. Um, And I just think with him at the helm, though, the Texans just did the draft right. And I think that it's very rare to see them just completely a team just completely dominate in their draft picks. But the Texans, they made those moves that were necessary and they got the people they wanted. And it has really, really worked out for them. And so um, and I just think that they've got a a stretch up here that's going to make them look really, really good. They play the Cardinals, the Titans twice, Broncos, Jets, Colts. Um, And then obviously they have to play the Browns, but I think that there's a lot of opportunity here for Houston. And I think that it's really kind of fun to watch what CJ Stratton is doing over there.
0: Yeah, it's, it's incredible. Um, I think for me, I'm going to go with, Oh, where did I have it? I wrote down a few things. Oh, it's going to be Sam Howell. I think if you're a Washington commander fan, I'm going to go with the team that lost the team that's four and six, probably not going to make the playoffs, but the hardest thing to do in the NFL is either, is either find a coach or find a quarterback. I think they're like one A and one B. And once you have one of them down, it makes the rest of it easy. I don't think they're going to stick with Ronnie Vera moving forward after this year, but I do think that whatever you've seen, he's leading the league and passing now too. Had a bye this week. So we won't be able to, you know, catch up, but uh, you have to be excited about that. If you're a commander fan and, and now if you're, uh, Josh Harris, the new owner of the Commanders, you got to be, all right, who can I go to that's going to maximize Sam Howell? Who's going to make him take that next step? Because if he's doing this with, you know, a defensive mind a head coach, a head coach who's really been kind of overrated because of one Cam Newton season <laughs> back in the day when he played in rare form. Then if I go get a guy like, a you know, maybe if I elevate Eric Bieniemy and make him the head coach, then maybe we can see what we can do when there's no handcuffs on it. So Sam Howell really impressed me. What about you? And what was another thing that caught your eye?
1: Um, San Francisco. We hit on this earlier in the week that I just said that I was nowhere. That team was going to lose four and glad to see that that prediction was right. Um, They actually, they absolutely pummeled Jacksonville 34 to three, obviously snapped the three game losing streak, but they also snapped the Jaguars five game winning streak. Um, And it just the defense came back to life. It was they looked a lot healthier coming off their bye week, have a new look on defense. They gave up 31 points to the Bengals in the last game, and then they held Jacksonville to three in this game. And so the 49ers are back, everybody and anybody who was majorly concerned or thought they weren't going to write the ship. They were going to write it. They got too much talent over there to be bad for long.
0: What's interesting is you want to know the biggest defensive change that they had? other than having Chase Young on the field. Steve Wilkes went from the booth to the field. Apparently, that makes all the difference in the world, right?
1: Who knew? Who knew?
0: And I think playing off of that is, I think, I don't know if you're a Jaguars fan, you're kind of disappointed because who are the two biggest teams they played this year? The Chiefs and then the Niners. And I think if, I, if I'm not mistaken, they scored three points in both those games. Maybe it was six against the Chiefs all the way back in, in week one, or week two, it was? I just have to go look. It was nine, 17-9.
1: Nine.
0: Oh, did they score nine? I knew it was only field goal. So, you know, and so yeah, I mean, the points still remains in, in their two biggest games this year. They didn't even score a touchdown. Trevor Lawrence didn't look like on par with that level of quarterbacking. And I don't know, That's that's got to be a little frustrating if you're looking to compete, um, you know, later on in the playoffs. So, um, for me, I, I just... I can't buy this Pittsburgh Steeler like facade. Remember, two years ago when they start started eleven to zero, and it was like, well, this is probably the worst eleven zero team ever. It's kind of how I feel about this team. They're six and three, but it just does not feel in any way that they should be. And so, like, I just I can't believe it as real. So. I, like I told you just at the very beginning, I don't think that they're going to make the playoffs, and I'm going to still hold to that because I just don't think they're a very good football team. I just think they have a good head coach who like takes advantage of those very small areas of a football game, but sometimes when it's just too big of a talent gap or your offense isn't producing points over time, it's going to catch up with you, and I think that will do that to them in short order.
1: Not a fan of the Steelers, Zach Bennett.
0: No, not at all. Not at all. Number three for you?
1: Number three for me, Joshua Dobbs.
0: The Dobster.
1: The Dobster. Arguably the funnest story in the NFL is Joshua Dobbs. Minnesota, obviously, five with straight wins. They started one and four. Now they're at six and four. Um, obviously traded for jobs in an emergency situation when Kirk goes out with his Achilles. And then just electric play. For I would say three of the quarters that he has been playing, but it's insane. Like the amount, 426 yards and three touchdowns in two games. And it's just been so, it's just so fun to see like the impact that he's having on an organization that he's still learning the playbook. The story coming out that he didn't even know where the locker room was in US Bank Stadium this morning. It's just, did you see that video? Yeah.
0: The guy running the the elevator is just like pointing him down the hall. You go go here, take a left, and I think your locker's there on the right. It's like, what the heck?
1: Like, you don't maybe do a dress rehearsal.
0: That's crazy.
1: But, yeah, I just, I can't get over this story. And I know that being a Vikings fan is a little bit tainting of that, but it's just so cool to see uh, this aerospace engineer slash quarterback on his fourth team just having such an incredible impact and being able to just have such great chemistry and synergy with TJ Hawkinson and Addison, and just excited to see what happens when JJ makes his return. Um, Because once he has a weapon like JJ's, I just am pumped to see what, what he's going to be able to do.
0: uh, I'm hearing rumorings, not hearing, I'm reading about people hearing that it's going to happen Sunday night when they play the Broncos next week. So let's go. Um, For me, my last one, I'm going to put it as the Browns. Uh, What they did in Baltimore was really impressive, particularly, and I I know giving him his credit just stinks, but Deshaun Watson's the first half pick six on the second play of the game. Uh, Six for 20 in the first half left, even left the game uh, with like a knee injury or something. And then in the second half, 14 for 14, let a couple game winning drives uh, or let the game winning drive where they were able to kick the field goal. So being able to hang in there, battle, things aren't going your way, tough place to play, tough defense. And, you know, I, there's a lot because of their defense that was able to happen. But ultimately, I just think that team's really, really good. And so when you talk about the AFC North, you know, they're in the playoffs as a wild card. But. Having that win against Baltimore, dropping them to three losses, now they're only you know they're right there with them. I think that uh, that division is super interesting, and at this point, who has any idea who's going to win it? So I, I just thought what Cleveland did in in a tough place to play was really impressive yeah, um,
1: I'm still I'm still a little bit shocked by that. I had full 100 percent confidence that the Ravens were gonna win that game. So yes. especially going into the fourth quarter up by two touchdowns, like that was just wild, but hats off. Give give the Browns their flowers, I suppose. Yeah. I'm a little bit offended though, as your third takeaway should have been that I
0: yes, a football
1: you. genius.
0: You are how?
1: Because uh so oh, the family group chat the family group, say, chat, you, the family group chat's popping thing. off.
0: You say the Jameis thing, that's
1: <laughs> the not popping off in the first half because the Vikings look unstoppable. We're just throwing touchdowns. Everything's great. We're up by three touchdowns going into half. Everyone's happy. And then third quarter, fourth quarter gets a little bit risky. There was not a lot of great offensive play from the Vikings. Our defense let them run down and score two touchdowns. So of course, in Vikings fashion, they have to make it one score game going into the Going into the end of the fourth quarter, give us all a little bit of energy. I'm talking to myself in the group chat. Nobody's responding to me. And I said, I said, James, Zach finally responds with a throw-up emoji. And I said, James is going to throw an interception. It's what he yes. does. Nobody true. responds. Nobody this responds. But then what happens? You place later, James throws an interception.
0: And I'm Mickey Blackman. So, it's true. It's also like, say, uh, yeah, no, I mean, yeah. you're not wrong.
1: Listen, but, listen, 90% but, of other people who watch football, who've ever watched a James Quinston game could have said the same thing. But no, today, but what I will say was. is
0: why I didn't really, I didn't know because the man, the drive before had literally ran left set up and threw not across, as across the field about as far as you possibly can. And it was caught for a touchdown. So I just was like, this just might be one of the dumbest ways to lose a football game. But listen, the Vikings, it's a weird streak to have. And you think about since 2019, right? There's, the Vikings have been relatively competitive, good, you know, had a 13-4 win season. And in that time frame, every other team in the NFL has won at least one game by 17 or more points. Like, And think about how bad of teams there's been since then. The Vikings still haven't. The last time they won by 17 plus was back when they played the Chargers when they were in that small soccer stadium. Phil Rivers was still the quarterback of the Chargers. And uh, that was the last time that they that they've won by 17. And every other team has done it once. A lot of teams like the Niners have done it 20 times, I think. Like something crazy. So it's just weird because we're up by 21 and a half time. And because of the emotional abuse the Vikings have given to us. I, I was happy, but I was like, this can't like happen to us be, because it never does. And I was proven right. We go down the field, kick a field goal. It's 27 3 I'm like, you know what? It might actually happen. And we stopped Derek Carr three and out. And then he gets knocked out of the game. Jameis Winston come in. I'm like, oh yeah, it's going to happen. This is awesome. I believe if
1: Derek, he became Brett Derek Favre. Hart, if Derek Carr stayed in the game, we would have won by three touchdowns.
0: We would have, because he doesn't throw those passes. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. He, he's just a very on schedule thing. And then Greg
1: and Joseph has to miss a freaking field goal because yeah. that's what he does. He always has to miss a field goal.
0: Well, yeah. And there's a lot of things that happen in that game. Like we had him stopped on third and ten. They called the weird Daniel Hunter. Uh the dude, tell me if you've ever seen this before, guys. If you haven't seen the play, you gotta know, look it up. Daniel Hunter had his head helmet ripped off, and he was yeah. called Yeah, And he was the one to called, the
1: called for illegal hamster. It's the
0: crazy. Fan. And then the and then the the running play, the Vikings score a touchdown. It's called back on holding, but if you look at the play, the the safety runs straight into the offense alignment and tackles him. It was a weird, weird, weirdly officiated game. But
1: here's another tangent for you: When are we going to stop having Jets on prime time?
0: I think I'm this sick is, of this, Grandpa. Um, they play, they play Black Friday against the Dolphins, but I think other than that, I think it's done. So
1: if I have to see Zach Wilson on prime time anymore and watch him drive down the field. And have the Jets kick field goals, I'm going to well, lose my mind.
0: This is the problem with the NFLs. They never have experienced like big free agent signings or big trades, except for the last like five, 10 years. So, like last year, Russell Wilson, remember that That was the team where it was Bronco game like, after
1: Bronco game. Yeah, like
0: Christmas Day, they hype it up and it's the Broncos, Rams. The Rams are terrible. The Broncos. So, every year it happens. And uh, this year it was just the Jets again. So disgusting, disgusting. But, well, sweet. Well, uh great week ten. Again, a lot of great games. Uh, a lot of fun. Playoff picks starting to take form. I'm excited uh for what uh what the rest of the season has in school. What about you? you excited?
1: Pumped out of my mind.
0: Good. Well, enjoy waking up early. Uh for we like Paige mentioned, we're still watching the Sunday night football game. Page Let well, you know one of the flex that she's gotta get it before. So
1: Yeah,
0: flex. Yeah, I had to let you guys know too. So everyone knows that. You
1: just flex me for on my behalf.
0: There you go. Well, thank you. Uh, There's been another episode of this podcast. Make sure to like, subscribe, share with your friends. And uh, we'll be back later this week for our week 11 preview.